All right, today's reading comes from Psalm 67. Here we go. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Matthew. And thank you all for being here on this uh, chilly November morning. I'd like to begin this morning by thanking all those here who are veterans. If you are a veteran, would you please stand just for a moment so we can honor you and thank you for your service? Could all of our veterans have join me in thanking them? Very much appreciate you all and all that you've done. This morning at the door, you got a worship guide that looks like this, and if you uh, open it for a moment, you'll see a little tear-off strip entitled Ham here. We always appreciate it if you fill those out and you can drop them in a basket that'll come around at the end of the service. Uh, you'll also see an envelope with one of the Beyond Pledge cards. I'll say more about that uh, after the message in just a few minutes before the end of the service. And I'll update you on where we are in our uh, Beyond initiative. World Magazine last week reported uh, that a a man in Michigan named Dave Mazurik uh, found something on a farm that he bought about 30 years ago. 1988, he bought a farm in Michigan, and um, on this farm was a barn, and there was a big rock that was used to prop open the barn door. When Mr. Mazurik bought the farm, the previous owner told him that he thought the rock, it was 23-pound uh, rock, was made of iron and nickel, and he thought it was a meteorite that had landed on the farm in the 1930s. Uh, so he didn't, the, the new owner, Dave Missouri, didn't give it a lot more thought, you know, just it's holding the barn door open, a big 23-pound rock. But earlier this year, he read something that led him to believe that meteorites can be of value to collectors and to researchers. And so the, uh, he, he took the, the rock to the uh, University of Central Michigan, and uh, professors there examined it and took quite some time. And after a few months there, uh, they finally got back in touch with him and said, indeed, they think uh, it's a meteorite, and it does have some value, and they estimated the value to be $100,000. And so he simply said, let's get a buyer, <laughs> obviously. Hidden treasure in his barn. 30 years, he didn't know what he had. Treasure holding open his barn door. When I read that this week, I thought, you know, there's, there's a part of the Bible that is much like an undiscovered treasure for many Christians had people tell me over the years, I don't read the Old Testament, I don't like the Old Testament. I've had people tell me, I've never read the book of Psalms. 
But I've come to believe that the book of Psalms is one of the most beautiful, meaningful, relevant gifts that God has ever given to his people. The book of Psalms, right smack in the middle of the Bible. If you opened a Bible in the middle, you'd probably land in the book of Psalms. It's the longest book of the Bible with 150 different Psalms, 150 chapters. It's the Old Testament book that is most often quoted in the New Testament. It's the book that many of the early apostles used, like Paul and Peter, to preach the gospel of Jesus and his resurrection. They didn't have the New Testament compiled in a nice book like we do. They were preaching from the Old Testament, and they often used the book of Psalms. One of the remarkable things about the Psalms is this. It often, they often, the Psalms, often look back in history to God's earlier dealings with his people and also look forward in history to the coming of the Messiah and what God would do in, with, and for his people. Now, one of the reasons I think the, the book of Psalms is an undiscovered treasure for many Christians is because of its relevance and value for us when we face any type of adversity in life. If you've come in here this morning and you are wrestling with deep de depression or discouragement, some kind of fear or anxiety, Maybe you're just feeling life is not fair, God is not fair. Maybe you're feeling rejected in life. If you were to come to me to ask what part of the Bible might speak to your situation, I would point you to the book of Psalms. Many of the Psalms, about half of them written by King David, were written out of a time a life setting when the writer was going through some type of deep adversity, discouragement, maybe feeling like God's not even there. It's in the Psalms we find the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there's healing in these words. These Psalms not only express discouragement, but they also lead the, the reader as the writer's intended to a, a note of hope. There's hope in the book of Psalms. There's encouragement. There's healing. There's faith for your situation and mine when you're walking through a difficult time in life. So I'd point you to that treasure. That's the, the part of the Bible we're looking at this morning. Matthew read a moment ago one of the shorter Psalms, Psalm 67. It's only got seven verses, but it is just full of spiritual riches. It's one of those Psalms that looks back to God's earlier work with his people and looks ahead to what God will do in and through and for his people. And so I'd like to consider briefly this psalm this morning. It begins with a prayer for God's grace, blessing, and shining face. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Now, we all want God to be gracious to us and to bless us, but what does it mean for God to shine his face upon us? A shining face implies in Scripture favor, the loving kindness of a warm, personal relationship. In the words of this statement, this prayer, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. As I mentioned, uh, the psalm looking back, they indeed look back to God's earlier dealings with his people. 
all the way back to the Old Testament book of Numbers. Now, Numbers is not a book that we often hear much about. It's the fourth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And in the book of Numbers, there's a really interesting statement that uh, includes, interesting section that includes a benediction. A benediction is a blessing, often a spoken blessing like we use at the end of our service. Uh, Before you walk out the doors, often the last thing the person preaching will say is some, some benediction. And it's often the one that comes right from Numbers. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, and Aaron was Moses' brother, uh, and they were the the priests, so they were to do this. Speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus shall you bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Those words sound a little familiar. We use them a lot at the end of our services here. But notice what's happening when they're spoken. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. So you see God's intent for his people is to have a warm, favorable, personal relationship to to bless them. Now, if we read the rest of the book of Numbers, though, we might be surprised to discover what the people of God, the people of Israel, are like in their relationship with God. They're remarkably disobedient, rebellious, and self-centered. They're grumblers. They're complainers. And it raises the question, how can our perfectly holy, sinless, awesome God relate to these sinful, self-centered, grumbling complainers? Well, often when God's people rebel, they face a judgment, and the Israelites indeed faced a judgment in the book of Numbers. And there's an occasion when God allowed a fairly severe judgment to come upon them, and there were poisonous snakes among them, and many of the people were bitten and became desperately ill. And they cried out to God. So God provided a solution for their problem, and he had Moses to take a pole and make a bronze serpent and put it on the pole. And he told Moses to tell the people, everyone who looks on this will live. You wonder, why in the world would God do that? Have you ever seen uh, a symbol maybe near a pharmacy or a doctor's office? We don't see them as often as we used to. But, but that symbol, you, you, may, you may see it still around, a pole with a head of a snake. Kind of a weird thing to have for a, a symbol. But that's what God told Moses to do. And the result was healing. Everybody who looked in faith on that was healed. Now, what was God's intention here? The serpent, the snake, since the beginning of the Bible in the Garden of Eden has, has been associated with a curse. It was the serpent who tempted Eve and Adam to sin and rebel against God, and, and God cursed the serpent, said, Cursed are you above all creatures. Why? What's, what's happening here with this strange 
thing in the book of Numbers. Well, listen to these words from the Gospel of John. This is Jesus speaking in John chapter 3 and verse 14. Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The Son of Man is Jesus. He's speaking of himself. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. All of this is prefiguring something, a time when God's going to provide salvation for his people as he provided physical healing for the Israelites, salvation for his people, us, who would not be condemned before our holy God because of our sin as long as we looked in faith upon Jesus, the Son of God on the cross who takes away our sin. Thereby we're brought into this relationship with God of grace, of blessing, of favor, of having a shining face upon us, a warm and a personal relationship. Hidden in the book of Psalms is this statement of blessing that God would do what only he would do, that he would be gracious and bless his people and cause his favor, his shining face to be poured out upon them and that he would place his name upon them. And if you are in Jesus Christ, if you've embraced Jesus as your Lord, you can know God has placed his name upon you. Jesus said in his prayer to the Father, he said, I've declared to them your name. I've made it known to them, and I will make it known that the love with which you've loved me may be in them and I in them. You know what Jesus says in those words from John 17, 26? They'll know your name in order that the love with which you love me may be in them. Have you ever considered, you who are Christians here, have you ever considered the fact that God could possibly love you with the same love with which he loves the Son, Jesus. Jesus said, I've made known to them your name and will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. You can know that through the gospel of Jesus. If you don't know it, I pray today that God would fulfill the words of Psalm 67, 1, that he would be gracious to you and bless you and let you know of his shining face, his favor that's upon you because of what Jesus did in your place. That you might know more fully the depths of his love. The psalm continues with a call. And it's a call right in the middle of this psalm for all the nations to praise God. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Now, this is a remarkable thing because the Psalms were written hundreds of years before Christ. The Israelites at this time who knew themselves to be God's chosen people, often separated from the other nations, often looked down on non-Jews, Gentiles. Much of the New Testament records how the apostles had to teach the early church that the message of the gospel is for all nations, not just Jews, but us Gentiles too. And in the middle of the psalm, there's this declaration 
that all nations, all the families of the earth are ultimately going to worship God. Where does that idea come from so early in the Bible? Well, it really comes from the very beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis. You see on the screen the words that are, are God's call to Abraham. Abram, at this point, before he changed his name to Abraham, he said, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you of your great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families or all the nations of the earth, we could say all the different ethnicities of the earth, in you, they're all going to be blessed. Now, what's he talking about? The New Testament makes it clear to us that this was, this was explaining, presenting the gospel to Abraham. Because through his descendants, ultimately Jesus would come. And Jesus' provision, just like the serpent on the pole, the Son of Man would be lifted up. He would bear our curse in his own body for us. He would take our place. And then he would say, this gospel of the kingdom is to be preached in all the world for all the nations. And then the end will come. And here in this psalm, we're looking back to the beginning of the Bible. And we're looking forward to the day when all nations will come to know him. And then in the third in final section of the psalm, verses 6 and 7, we see the point made that the result of God's blessing upon his people is that all nations know him. The psalm begins and ends this way. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all the nations. In other words, God, when you bless us, the result is going to be all the nations of the world. You bless us, all the nations know you. The final verses of the psalm read, The earth is yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us, God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth fear him. You bless us, all nations know of you. You bless us, nations know of you. This verse is foundational to Christianity, really. God makes himself known to us, and we don't keep it to ourselves. We don't hold it in the walls of the church. We go out in the world, and we become the light of the world, but we become the salt of the earth. We take his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness to other people. He gives us his Holy Spirit so we can do that. And likewise, this psalm really the foundation it lays is, is foundational to our vision as a local church here at River Oaks. You'll see on the screen what we call our, our vision frame. And I wanted to revisit this again as we draw near the, uh, the period that we're calling beyond in our church. And just remind you of this vision frame again. You'll see it plenty of times, I'm sure, over the years. But think of it like a, a window. And you're looking out the window into the future, and there you see what we believe to be God's vision for our church for the years ahead. A vision that is driven by deeper discipleship but results in greater outreach locally and around the world. Around the four sides of the frame, you see on the right side our, our mission, 
That is discipleship leaning to outreach, building followers of Jesus sent to reach others. You see our discipleship pathway, which is a map for spiritual growth. If you're new to our church, we think these four steps are ways that you can really go, grow to fulfill God's purpose for what we believe his purpose to be rather for your life. And then the values are those things that we hope characterize our church and will increasingly characterize our church in the years ahead. The marks are the expressions of those values, ways the values, the, our progress in those might be measured. We got a long way to go toward fulfilling this type of a vision and to really expressing these type of values here in our church and outside of our church, but this is who we are and who we hope to be as a church, and I hope who we each individually will grow to become. And so as we, we think about these things and reflect on the, the uh, Psalm, Psalm 67, I would just raise this question. How is God's blessing upon my life affecting the world around me? Is the place I work different because I work there? Is my neighborhood different because I live there? Is my extended family affected because of my faith in Jesus? Is this community different because River Oaks is here? Is our world different? because River Oaks is here? Hopefully the answer is yes. But the fact is God wants to bless us and be gracious to us and pour his shining face, grace, and favor, a warm personal relationship with us out so that ultimately others around us will be blessed with the knowledge of him. Let's pray about that together for a moment. Father, we thank you for your great love. Thank you that though we rebelled and have been so self-centered at times, you have provided through Jesus for our complete forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation. And it may be that you're here this morning and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. You know of your sin. Your sin makes you feel guilty before God. And frankly, our sins do make us guilty before God. And we cannot stand before him and face his judgment on our own. We need a remedy. And the remedy the reconciler, the mediator, is Jesus. God who on the cross bore our judgment, paid for our sin, and calls us to receive him. To all who received him, the Bible says, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And if you have never received Jesus as your Lord, and if today you know that's what you need to do, I would invite you to join me now in a simple prayer just using these words like this. You can repeat after me. Dear God, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. 
Jesus, I receive your salvation. I believe you paid for my sin and rose from the dead. I accept you as my Savior and my Lord. Help me to follow you from this day forward. Amen.